0: Blues, your source for all things Everton. I'm Jerry. Joining me today, I've got Terry, uh, uh, one one half of the brothers McAllister, the bespectacled half of the brothers McAllister. Terry, how are you, my friend? How how's how's life? How's life for you?
1: Yeah, life's good. Um, nothing to report. There's peace in the village. It's got a happy camp. Got a happy wife and a happy life. It's all good. Wish I had
0: the oh, more interesting
1: God. to report, but I, I really haven't. I haven't even been to see that many movies or anything um, recently. Been to see Sonic the Hedgehog. If you want to talk about? Ah, oh, you can do that.
0: <laughs> you can do that. I thought you were just gonna read the motivational posters in your wall, like you you were like, "Happy wife, happy life." Hang in there, kitty. You know. <laughs> no, so you saw Sonic. I, my kids, both my boys, we we had gone to see. Uh, Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, like a while back over, like, I'm trying to remember if that was Thanksgiving or around Christmas time, but the best trailer, oddly enough, funny enough, enough, the best trailer we saw was the Sonic one, and the whole time, I'm just like, give me more Jim Carrey, Yeah. all day long, Jim Carrey playing a bad guy, I'm so down with that, Um, and, and to be honest with you, it's like a, kids' movies usually suck, Terry, it's such vapid nonsense, so, I was actually intrigued to see something where I, I actually had some pieces I wanted to be a part of. You know what I mean? I wanted to see that a little bit. We haven't seen it yet, but does it get the Terry stamp of sort of approval?
1: Yeah, it does. I mean, I, you know, it's going kind to of sound weird to anyone who can ever seen the video segments and seen the room I'm sitting in with the posters and whatnot, but I don't actually watch a lot of um, kids' films strictly. Like, you know, there's... There's, kid, mm. there's films that are kid friendly, like like comic book films and what have you. But then there's mm. kids films which are aimed at children and scripted as such. So I don't see many of them. So I, I thought it was a, it was really good. Obviously, the big thing about the, I mean I'm quite biased as well. I I grew up a Sonic kid. I, that was right my you know era my age, like the Mega Drive and favorite. I I didn't have. A Nintendo console. Uh, my brother had a N64. I was old enough to have a SNES or a NES, but I had the Mega Drives because I could only have one. Because mm-hmm. back then you could, you had to choose; you couldn't get everything. Um, and I was I was huge into Sonic, so I was going in probably not with a you know like a blank slate. I was like, I want this to be good. I want this to be good. I love Sonic, and um, it was good. I mean, the big elephant in the room with the um, with the film is that they changed it didn't they like not storyline wise but when the first trailer came out sonic's design was awful like they'd done them they'd made him. it was unnerving yeah they'd made him really realistic looking and um it mm-hmm. just it just didn't work and then people online were going look how much better you could have made this sonic they just made it more true to the game design like mm-hmm. you don't have to make it realistic this isn't a real hedgehog it's a it's a game sprite that you're going to make into a you know a CGI character, and probably for the first time ever, the uh, studio just went, okay, we hear you. We're, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna go back. We'll take a, you know whack a few more months on uh, to production, and we'll there's no reshoots, but it'll just be re renders of of every scene with Sonic, and he's gonna have a new design. And the film's good. It's it's it's, it's I'm glad they did it because it would have been panned. With that design, no one would have been able to get past that old design. But what do you think about them changing it? I mean, it's pretty slippery slope to get on, to start listening to audiences all the time, because sometimes they can be wrong, can't they?
0: It is. It's really tough because, I mean, I'm I'm considering their point of view. They're thinking, well, we could make... We'll take a hit on the design, right? We'll take a hit on the CGI, the additional CGI, and what... And the hit that we will actually take will be made up for in uh, box office and rentals and all that stuff. So they had to just think it was more worth it, you know. Um, The only thing that I can compare to it immediately that comes to mind is, uh, oddly enough, we, we do an Everton podcast here and an Everton YouTube channel. And immediately I think of the new Crest when they designed it, okay? The original new Crest because they kind of used fan impact, you know, and wor- worked together with uh, supporters to redesign that. But we had a whole season of that bizarre, like, beehive-looking yeah. looking thing. Uh, it, they, it was oversimplified, it felt, um, very cartoonish, and it just didn't feel like a Premier League club
1: crest. No. It looked like a, you a lot know? Of birthday cake, didn't it? Like, yeah. Yeah. So what do
0: you – so here's a question, serious question. I'm going to turn this on you, and then we'll get back to your question because I feel like your question is bigger. Um, If Everton had put that crest out first and then got the fan backlash and then redesigned it – do you think they would have done more shirt sales that year if they'd have done the redesign of the crest before they released all that? You know what I mean? Like if they'd have staggered it in the right way and released it at the right time to give it time to, have, if just in case it was not met with widespread approval. Or do you think – because some people, like they redesign – because there's a recent – like in MLS, Chicago Fire redesigned their logo and people are hating on it. Yeah. They hate it. They think it's oversimplified. It's like the exact same type of situation. It's just I don't know that Chicago Fire is going to redesign it. You know what I mean? So, silly question, but do you think that would have helped shirt sales? And do you think that even would have mattered? Yeah. Because i got to be honest, I've seen some ESPN stuff that still has our old logo on it, man. Yeah. he's still
1: following us around. I don't know how that badge got so much penetration because it was literally in place for one season. And, with, one. and like within like a month of it. Being, you know, issued, the club acknowledged. Yeah, it's we're changing it. We're not doing it. So that badge had literally one one month of being like the official badge, and one year of being on things. And it still like you know creeps up here and there. I don't know how it's you know clung on for that long, and it was years ago now. But to answer your question, um, I think you're asking if if they'd have changed to the badge we've got now before the shirts were on sale would they have sold more? Yeah, absolutely. Because I know a lot of people, myself included, who just wouldn't buy anything with that badge, on it. it was that bad. It was awful. Like I'm not. A lot of some people don't like change and don't want to change badge. And there's some people who, who would have preferred to just keep the badge we had before that, didn't, rather than change mm-hmm. it at all. And I understand that. But I, I don't think this was a case of that. I think this was just a bad design, a bad badge. I think if if the that one would have never came out and we just went from the previous one. To the one we have now, I don't think there'd have been any complaints. It would have been a natural evolution, a natural progression. I actually love the badge we've got now. I think it's the best um one we could have made, considering you know, with all the features that you know we wanted it That was, you know, I would have liked at the time a stripped down, you know, just the tower with like Everton 1878 underneath it. I mean, it's, it's I'll just call it what it is. I would have pref- liked a version of what Liverpool have done on their kits. Um, but that even then, they've retained the crest for other stuff, you know, like on the side of the stadium and whatnot. It's just for the kits. Um, but when I saw the one we've got now, I thought, yeah, that's that's brilliant. It, it you know, it suits everything. It's it's got every, all the you know criteria. A lot of people were unhappy that uh, Nilsatis Nisi Optiman was taken off the badge. I wouldn't have bothered me if the badge would have looked all right and I could have lived without it and had it somewhere else on the kit maybe. But yeah, I mean. If it had been a better badge, I think people would have got over it. It was just a—it's much like the Sonic design. It wasn't that it wasn't what people wanted. It was because it was really bad. There's a line you can cross. Mm-hmm. You know, you—you you don't have to like try and please everyone, but you've got to please somebody. You know, like then those that badge and that Sonic design didn't please anybody. To me, like it didn't look like a club with tradition. No, no, you're right. It, it just—it didn't even look like a club badge. It looked like like a Fisher-Price kind of, you know, I don't even know if I can mention, (laughs) can I? Probably not. But uh, it it didn't...
0: I didn't know where you were going to go with it, so I was
1: curious. (laughs) No further, believe me. Um, Yeah, you're right, it looked like one of those badges that, like, newly formed clubs and newly formed leagues, like, you know, set up, like, if they were to suddenly make a new... League in Australia and a new or a new league in, in China, and they made like 20 new clubs in areas. They just, oh, yeah, there we go. Like, that, that that's one club that's been running three years. It didn't look like Everton, it didn't feel like Everton.
0: It looked like it was a fictional club made up for a movie about football, and it, it, because they couldn't get the rights to a certain team, they had to make up a club. You know what I mean? Now they do it in like, there's several like. Like in the movie, in any given Sunday, they had to like make up NFL teams. Yeah, it felt like the same kind of thing. Like here's this fictional uh, football club that's in England, you know. So yeah, it's anyway. But the, the slippery slope. Uh, that that's the thing though. Is sometimes you can utilize that that fan uh, the backlash uh, for good. You know, you can use it, and it can actually. You can take it and say, you know what? We hear you guys. Let's let's figure out how to make this better. And what do we need to do? Um, but where does it stop? That's the real question. You know, uh, with with films, uh, we're talking about a, a character design. Mm-hmm. All right, that's what we're talking about there. Um, but let's say there's there's a, there's an ending that they put in, and people are like reacting to that. And you're like, well, you know what, guys. We have another ending, you may like better. We recorded it, we just didn't put it out there. You like how it went all Seinfeld? I didn't mean to. <laughs> Why do people tie the shoes? You know. I, I, so, but it, but that's the thing. I think uh, the film, like I Am Legend, has a couple of different endings, and some of them were in theaters, and some of them went. Uh, you know, and so it's really interesting. They were almost like they they. They were kind of vibing on test audiences to see which one to go with. Um which to me is a little over studioization, you know what I mean? <laughs> over-reliant. What happened to, okay, let's look at our source material and see what that says. Let's talk to our director, let's talk to our writer. Why don't we go through that? You know what I mean? Let's talk to our producer. When you're when you're, you know, over reliant on the people, if you rely too much on crowd reaction and audience reaction, you lose soul. You know what I mean? So it's a fine line, man. When do you start changing plot points? Casting. Football clubs. What if you, you start uh, uh, allowing... You know, fans are like, no, no, we don't like that transfer. Yeah. You know?
1: <laughs> when does that happen? I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, some clubs around Europe are a bit like that, but they never... You know, well-run clubs are they like you know? It's a different story altogether. But there was was a Zenit Saint Petersburg were well, like protesting of them signing a player because he was black. Malcolm. Oh, <gasps> yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, when
0: Malcolm. Went... I heard there was something going on, but I didn't know yeah. it was protests about that. When,
1: when Malcolm left Barcelona to go to team Saint Petersburg, um, sections of their supporters held banners basically to cry in the signing of a black player. They they thought it was against their tradition. So you can't always listen to the crowd because sometimes they're wrong. Sometimes the crowd are dumb.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm trying to, yeah, the crowd are... Yeah, yeah. his age.
1: Kind of have evil tendencies. (laughs) His age, didn't want shooting for letting them go there. I mean, wow. Jesus.
0: Yeah, that's awful. I didn't realize it was like that. Um Damn. Terry, we're to bring that in, man. We had all this positive mojo going, and then you're like, by the way, here's some racism. You know?
1: That <laughs> I mean, makes it sound like I was racist then.
0: <laughs> you're right. Terry wasn't. He was pointing out someone else's racism. <laughs> mm. Okay, we both went in for a, a sip of <laughs> coffee at the same time. So, yeah. Alright, um, so we should continue talking on on that bombshell uh we're gonna move on uh for people listening via podcast um you know here's the way it's gonna look uh arsenal extra time that's a match that happened this weekend i don't want to spoil it for all you people who've been recording it so i'll wait until the section to spoil it for you um and then we're gonna talk about Sigurdsson. well i don't even know who that is um I mean, I watched the game. I don't know who Sigurdsson is. That's weird. All right, so we're going to talk about that guy, whatever that means. And then we'll do a lightning round. Terry has ten questions for me. I have ten questions for Terry. Probably his are more interesting than mine. I've done my best. I've done my best. So I'm just counting on Terry's answers to be super, you know, rapier-like wit. That's what I'm, that's what I'm expecting. Um, so, Arsenal Extra Time. Uh, recorded the match. I definitely did not get to it immediately because I was coaching and my kids were playing in various matches. Uh, but eventually I got to it. Um, so uh, if, you've, if you did record it, here's your spoiler. Uh, yeah, uh, 3-2 loss at the Emirates. So, Terry, I want you to give me some quick Terry thoughts. Uh, you don't have to give me your full synopsis. Because I'll be directing some questions to you, prodding other answers. But uh, just some quick thoughts to kind of begin with about uh, your reactions to this one.
1: Oh, <clears throat> frustrating game, really frustrating because Arsenal weren't great. They just scored three goals, and Everton wasted a lot of chances, and you know didn't cope with you know some tactical shifts on um, Arsenal's on Arsenal's side. It was we made enough chances to win two games but we could have been playing until midnight and we wouldn't have scored another one just because you know Calvert-Lewin was getting chance after chance and they were just going wide and you know making mistakes with you know, good possession um, people could say oh it was a game of two halves but I think our team was a team of two halves there were some players who played really you know well and did their part you know, Calvert-Lewin, Richardson, both of them were excellent. Another segment for another day, but we need to get Calvert-Lewin locked down to a long contract alongside Richarlison and build the team around them too, because they're forming a great partnership and they're both they're both brilliant at the minute. I think Baines played well, Holgate played well, but then there were some players around the pitch who just weren't pulling their weight for their departments and they were you know they were letting down. Young, you know, like the, the two forwards who were doing their part, they both scored. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't want to be go too hard on Bay. He did have a poor game, but this is what Bay seems to do. He seems to be one of the best players on the pitch, or he's awful. It's there's no in between. He and he was caught out, you know, twice for the two goals and um, the, the two Aubameyang goals, sorry. Um the first goal, I'm not. I'm not even going to criticise him, anyone for that because oh well, you know so and so should have tracked back, so should have closed down. Like Schneiderlin could have closed down earlier. It won't be because he came back to help. That was just a world class cross, um, and the striker's movement was great and a good goal. You know, I can't point at that one and goal. Shouldn't be conceding that. It was a great goal. You've got to hold your hands up. The other two though, completely avoidable, complete. You know. You know, Ancelotti said it himself, is going, we attacked well, but you won't win games if you defend them like that.
0: Yeah, it's weird. Uh, I think the uh, the first goal, Yerimina is right there, okay? So you can point to several places where we could have done things differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think Yerimina is blameless there, Um, It just depends on how much, if you want to play a blame type of game. You know what I mean? Um, And I'm usually, I like to kind of talk about, I always mention who impressed us and who disappointed. Um, I do think that Arsenal's movement gave us problems. Um, Their runs, they were clever runs and they were well-timed, which I think gave us so many problems. Um, Which is why uh, Yerimina had issues on that one, which is why Sidibe had issues. The third goal was weird because it, I couldn't even tell if it was actually... Like, it was Obama right? But I don't even know. I feel like Sidibe was the first one to react to it. I don't even know if he was the closest one. He was the one who reacted to the cross, so it made it look like he was supposed to be on that. Um, so it was another weird scenario. It, it's, it just usually takes... Like, if you want to like point... To places, if you're the kind of person who says I need one person to kind of, and I don't think you're like that, um, but I, I know I've been like that in the past. You want to blame because you're like, oh, you let the goal in, If it seems obvious, um, Sidibe was out of two, he was the closest one to the player. That's true. Uh, he he wasn't. It wasn't a, It wasn't a. It wasn't the worst game I've seen him have actually, because he actually did some things right. Um, but I think it was one of those where our back line with the exception of Leighton Baines, uh, Holgate a little bit, uh, will take a, take stock of it and say, we need to do a better job of communicating about their movement, about the movement of the opposition. Um, so, yeah. Uh, moving on, because uh, we were... So we, you mentioned Sidibe. You didn't want to blame it on Sidibe. And I'm, I'm with you. I just think you can say he let us down a few times, for sure. Yeah. I think if you don't, then you're, you know... Yeah. Who else? Is there anyone else? I, I, I don't like to start negative, but I was going to say go positive first. But let's go ahead and get that knocked out. Anybody else who disappointed you where you're kind of like, oh, man, I wish they'd have done
1: this? Yeah, I mean, well, we wasn't playing good either, to be honest. The whole right side was weak and Arsenal's was good. Like, that Saka looks like a really good player,
0: I think. What a cross on that kid. Do you see? Oh, my gosh. You mentioned it earlier, but I wanted to acknowledge it. I forgot to. You're he, right. That was world-class. He looks good. He's not even a
1: left-back. He's, he's a left midfielder. But um, their left-hand side of Saka and Aubameyang, it was just too strong for um, Sadibe and, and Iwobi. And Iwobi, I didn't think, had a very good game. Um, he was out of position, but, the, you know, he was when Saka came on he started pressing um Mustafi because they went more as a back 3 so Richarlison, Calvert-Lewin and Iwobi were pressing but it just left Sidibé really isolated and you know and he, you know he goes on little you know adventures himself anyway in this court had a position it's it's a frustrating result because Arsenal were there to be beat and when you know they weren't very good on the day, they just scored some crucial goals at crucial times. And it was a good opportunity to, you know, get that, you know, statistic out of us of you know, never you know, not winning away at Arsenal and, and what have you. But the performance the, the way plus pluses to take from the performance. It's it's difficult to see because everyone's like, you know, built up for a you know, two weeks and what have you say, Oh well, you know, we're in the European race and all that and we still are. There's, we've still got all the teams around yeah. us to play. It's not like oh we need to win that war and that's it. All the teams around us still to play. A lot of them need to play each other. It's going. This table is going to change a lot in the next few, you know, several weeks going forward. Yeah. But most of all, you've got to just take each game as it comes. Ancelotti is still looking at these players and sussing out who can play in a four-four-two, who's good enough, who isn't good enough. You know, the the mentality has shifted. The team didn't give up. It didn't come off for them. But they, they the a lot of the players were still in it. Like, how, how often would we have? just being out of the game completely under silver. Um One thing I do hope we correct is how often we concede in quick succession. Whenever we concede one, we're always liable to concede a second straight after. And we did that, I think it was mm-hmm. in like five, six minutes after one goal, we conceded the other. But we got ourselves back into it and, you, you know, we, Unfortunately, conceded straight after half time, but the spirit was still there. It was like Watford, where we didn't feel like we were out of the game after we conceded. And it's easy to forget now that we didn't actually win a game from being a goal down under Silver at all. I know we haven't won one, but it's chalk and cheese when you look at the body language of the players. And well, a lot of the players, not all of them. Mm. Yeah, you can just see, you see, all right, where's the problems? What's Carlo, you know, got to address? And you go, okay, striker's good. a lot of defenders good. Midfield needs work because we played the three central midfielders, Delph Schneidlin and Sigurdsson, And they didn't they didn't have particularly good games. I actually thought Delph wasn't too bad. That's not to say he was good, but I don't think he was as bad as he's been in other games. And I think Agreed. I think, you know that just the three of them aren't really, you know. Game-changing players But when Gomez came on You saw what we've been missing Just that composure That passing range That, you know Over-the-top through ball He put through that pass hit For Richarlison But the keeper had to come out The keeper had to rush out to him high up the pitch to, to clear mm-hmm. If we can get Gomez You know Bolted into the team And keep him there And keep him fit It's going to have a completely different complexion On how we can play Because... Got yeah. more options ahead of him to pass two now. He he can look at two strikers who can you can receive the ball off him rather than just one a static number ten. You can go for your seat.
0: yeah, yeah. It, I was thrown off by the lineup. I was thrown off by the lineup. It threw me off. Like I know Paul actually called. He thought that Ancelotti uh, would go with it will be on the right. Uh, but to be honest with you, I, I look at that lineup and I I'm not sure about the entire the midfield like the the wings you have you got Sigurdsson kind of playing on the left in a way I guess the inference there is he likes his guys to his wingers to cut in and play a little more centrally sometimes so I get it it's just a strange choice you know did he just and I think he didn't want to bring it was either that or start Bernard and I think he was thinking I want to be able to bring Bernard off the bench because bringing Sigurdsson off the bench is a strange energy shift so that's the only thing I'm trying to make sense of it, and and I feel like it makes sense thinking about it like that, you know. But what are your thoughts on that? And then at some point we should bring up uh, the most the most uh, you know amazing man in the world, Andre Gomes.
1: <laughs> I was surprised by the lineup <laughs> just because you know he, he's playing Sigurdsson on the left when he's got it, the two left-sided players fit. He's got a Wobie and um, Bernard. Um, yeah, this left-hand side of the four-four-two isn't like a left winger. You know, the right winger, the right midfielder tends to be a winger, like Walcott. Um, but I was surprised because even even in that sort of you know left midfield slash ten role, that Bernard and you know, well, we won't be can play under him under Carlo. I still don't think Sigurdsson's got the mobility to do that. And you know, I don't either. You, you know, the game bore that out. Gary Neville on the uh, commentary in the UK was pointing out tickets and, uh, saying he you know, he doesn't seem to be trying he, he's walking up the pitch rather than running when the centre backs get the ball and we're trying to build up so he didn't suit it he didn't suit it at all and in central midfield you know Schneidlin and Delph, you know, do their best but they, they're very limited players in a four-four-two. 4 Schneidlin you know has had his two good games of the season now and he went back to form and <laughs> D- Delf wasn't spectacular, but he, I found he was better than in, in previous games. But let's be honest, just not getting themselves sent off and not giving away fouls for goals is an improvement on how he's been playing. But yeah, I, I felt sorry for Charleston and Calvert-Lewin. They both did their job and they were both playing really well and they both pressed and they both were making chances and everything. And then I just think the midfielders you know, let them down. They weren't playing up to their level. It won't be not got the same issues as the other three but he was out of position he just wasn't having a good game he wasted a really good chance so he needs to get it on target early in the, in the first yeah. half and that could have put it to bed we'd have been 2-0 at that point yeah
0: uh, either that or he could have played it across to one of his teammates he had like yeah. two teammates in the middle he had two players in the middle just over there hanging out yeah. reading the newspaper
1: they were just so, it so was wide open. still some of the older way day problems of lack of composure and not taking chances, but there was an improvement in mentality. And you know, we weren't just out the game the second we went a goal down, which is so often the case. It was the game. so you know yeah. pluses to take, and I'm not too upset about the Premier League table because it's everyone plays each other, and we're all really, really tight in points. So in three weeks, it could be a completely different complexion. It's just not you just don't know what the league this year there's only two positions in the whole league which are nailed on that's number one and number twenty.
0: Yeah. Uh last question. Um I didn't mean it for it to be the last question, but I did so the last question has nothing to do with Andre Gomez. But I would say that we have to look at the fact that he's back, uh he's beautiful. And uh, yeah, it's a really good story, um and we are better with him and so he came in, made an appearance, made our team better, made our team more dynamic, and uh you know, welcome back, don't ever leave again uh is what I have to say to that, so that is a positive, so here's something I'm one of those like the world is gray people, besides the fact that my hair's like that. You know, it's, I feel like life is not like black and white issues. You know what I mean? I think some people look at this and they say, we didn't win a game. Okay. Uh, So you look at our performance. Are you the kind of person who says, still should have won? Still frustrating, still should have won the game. I'm angry about that and whatever about the positives. Or are you one of those people who says, take some positives, take some solace and roll into the next one and try to keep that in here. I I actually wasn't sure exactly how you would feel about this, if I'm honest, because I know you're you get kind of fed up with kind of the moral victories, you know what I mean? <laughs> because you've been a, you've been a supporter for a long time, but at the same time, you're also someone who doesn't see the world in just straight up black and white. Do you feel like you walk away from this game with a little bit of warmth despite the frustration? Or are you just like, no, screw it? Get the mentality back. Learn to win. Let's do this.
1: Normally, I'd be quite fatalistic like that. Going, I don't want to, you know, you know, win mm-hmm. the argument or want to win the game. Um, but realistically, I, you know, for the rest of this season, I'm more or less going to be of the other persuasion. Where you've got a brand new manager in, um, and. You know, you've gotta expect that. It's it's something I'm fed up of doing, of changing manager and having to say, Oh well, the rest of the season doesn't count anymore Um but it it really doesn't. Like you look at Leicester, I keep comparing ourselves to Leicester. They got Brendan Rodgers in and the season the half season he had before he got into the summer, he just sort of treated that like a big pre season and saw who could fit in the system and where he needed to recruit and all that and I'm Hoping and banking on that being the same with us. So, I'm not saying all oh, the results suddenly don't matter, but it's like if you can see improvements from what you had before under Marco Silva and it's consistent, if you're seeing it more and more, then you've got to take encouragement from that because you've got to think, well, maybe that's what we're building on for next season. And the reaction of the players to being behind away from home. It still isn't perfect. There's still, you know, problems. We do wobble badly when we concede. Not all of the players try and fight to get back in the game. It's not like all of a sudden we're a team of lions now, but we had nobody doing that. Now and we're starting to get that. You know, the confidence has got to yeah. has increased with a lot of the players. Like uh, the easiest ones to say, Richardson, Calvert Lewin, and um, Holgate. Three easiest picks they don't feel like they're beaten when they concede now and that is a massive improvement on what we had when if we conceded the first goal away from home you might as well stop watching the match because it was it was over and hmm. if we can build on that and get better at that consistently and consistently and consistently then eventually we might have a stronger mentality and have more leadership on the pitch where we can turn those games where we should really win considering the amount of chances we get into wins
0: Yeah, I, I've been grappling with that question. I think it's, it's one of the reasons why I put that up on my whiteboard there. Um, you know, just because, you know, I, I usually I, I look at it and say, you know what, we actually had a decent performance. But over the years, you get, you get worn down from just saying, eh, we actually had a decent performance, you know what I mean? And sometimes you're like, I yeah. want three. You know, and then again, we've actually had, uh, in recent memory, and during this recent decent decent run of form, we've gotten three from games maybe we didn't deserve all three. You know what I mean? So, uh, at least there's a little more balance. A little more balance Mm -hmm. than previously. Restored to the Force. I just wanted to say that. It doesn't even fit. I just wanted to say Restored to the Force. Uh, For the nerds out there. Uh, So, yeah, that's... Still agitated, um, but I, I, that was just an inner grappling question. I, I didn't really know about the how you felt about that. Um, I think it's just it's just everybody's going to be different on that, you know, depending on where they are in their supportership.
1: Yeah. If I, if this happens tandem. this time next season, then I won't feel the same because a lot of time will have passed with this manager and new players. And whereas, you know, you do have to sort of hit the reset button when you change manager especially if you change to your first world-class manager in many years because you've got to give him the benefits of the doubt of time. Mm-hmm. It's, hard. it's been hard for people to... And I was one of the ones saying give silver time, but I can understand a lot of people going, well, why? Why does he deserve time? This manager, no-one could say that. They need to give him time to see if he can you know, sort out some of the issues Everton have got. Did you see his face when we conceded after half-time? Welcome to Everton, Carlo Ancelotti. <laughs> he must have been thinking, yeah. these guys have been 50 years. <sighs> All
0: right. Well, we need to move on. Uh, we do have uh, our next segment, is about uh, Sigurdsson. We kind of got into it a little bit. We're going to talk more detail about Gilfie Sigurdsson in our next segment. Uh, what, uh, you know, WTF. Sigurdson, WTF. So, gotta get a third person. This is Schmery. Uh, so, uh, this is a. Gilfie Sigurdsson, you know, what the hell, man. Uh, I, we buy Gilfie, and I was really – I actually was psyched for it. Um, I thought he could have the impact. Uh, and then his utilization since has been just so – it fluctuates. You never know uh, how he's going to be utilized, even in this system. Um See you know he, you see him often as like a second striker in the past, um, which is how he, you could get him closer to the goal, get him some more some more attempts. Uh, I guess the big excuse, big complaint about guilty back in the day was he didn't get a lot of goals or assists from open play, is what people would say. Um, now it's just kind of he just goes missing in games, and you just don't know where the hell he is. Um, I know this in the Arsenal match I was watching, and I think the play that really stuck out in my mind, I think he had a... uh, On our first goal, right, he played the dead ball, right? He played that ball across, and then when it ricocheted around a little bit, didn't he kind of slap it in and big, huge bounce, like kind of a short hop went really high? And that's when... Isn't that what happened? And then uh, David Luis like hit or shouldered it. And, was, and, that the, uh, was that the second
1: goal? Was so the first or the second? I think it was the
0: second. Am I combining two goals?
1: Yeah, uh, he, he, where he kicks it into the floor. and it. And it... That's what I was thinking of, yeah, yeah. I think that's the Richarlison goal. He does put the set piece in for the for the goal. First... Yeah, yeah. Bounces up off a defender who's marking Mina, I think, and then with the loose. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, it was, I mean, it was uh, David Luis who goes up. And uh, oh, hold on! You're still talking about the other one. Never mind.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think you have to think of merge the two goals. But um,
0: I've I've made this bizarre hybrid
1: goal. Yeah. Yeah. He, um, <laughs> he he did take the free kick for the for the first goal. Yeah. You are right.
0: So, so technically, he had an impact on both goals in one way or another. He actually did. He yeah. didn't get the assist on the second one, but he like. <laughs> I
1: don't <laughs> think did. you can count. That because he literally tries to shoot and shoots at the floor, and then very luckily it bounces up, and Richarlison takes advantage. He's he's like, of-
0: it like, I think Mina t- hits it briefly, and then Richarlison hit it. Yeah, I think it was like so. He he got a bizarre like second assist if you even are down for that kind of stuff, or if you even count that kind of stuff, which I don't really. Uh, so but I'm struggling, I, I'm trying to give him a little bit of credit. But I'm struggling to. It's a lot of hair splitting. It's grasping at straws. It's basically saying, you know, okay, so technically he had some impact in the game. You know, but he was lined up on the left. And I think you and I, in the previous video, we were basically talking about how uh, if you've got Iwobi or Bernard, you could line up on the left or Sigurdsson. Which one is a more natural fit at the position? The two former suggestions every time. Sigurdsson doesn't make much sense there. Um, I feel like right now the only place he makes sense is at that uh, attacking center mid position. It's the only place he makes sense, and he just goes missing for long periods of time. So what are we going to do with this guy, Terry? Is this this a uh, he goes out on on loan somewhere in the summer, and that's probably he's just going to be out on loan forever? But it seems like Ancelotti kind of likes him.
1: I mean, the best place for him would probably be the bench, but like rather than on the, in the middle or the left. But, yeah, he's, he's, he's like a shell of his former self, isn't he? And it's not just I with know. the change in formation. He was poor at the beginning of the season when he was number 10 in a four-two-three-one yeah. under Silva. His goals have completely dried up. His assists have dried up for the most part. And he's a passenger. His legs have gone. He, he doesn't contribute hardly anything to the team. There's, there's clips of him again it's not the first time he's done it either of when Everton are in possession and he, instead of showing for the ball when he's in good space he's pointing away like don't give it to me give it to someone else you know like point it like the centre back when the full back's got it rather than to himself when he's under no pressure he, I, it's, he, he, he used to be such a quality you know player and don't get me wrong, even back in his in his pomp, I don't think he'd have suited an, um, a name a four four two in the position he's playing. But now he's just he's he's moving into that territory of you know ne- you know high priority to get rid of, and I don't even know if, how we would. He, he'll be similar to you know the likes of Schneidlin or even Balassi, who, who the price we paid for them and the wages they're on are prohibitive to selling them. I don't. I think he could do a job. Um, for you know several teams, but not for those wages, they're not going to take that. You know what I mean? So, right. Now that Andre Gomez is back, and you know, you know, you know, gripping wood, not just touching it, like he stays fit and doesn't get injured again. Yeah, I think Guildfield probably finds himself out the team now. I mean, I, I do hope so. I, I agree with you that Ancelotti seems to have liked him so far, but now that he's got the option of a much better playmaker, a much better footballer and Gomez might not see as many chances for guilty because he has been a ghost for the for so many games this season and the good thing about the 4 4 is that you can't really hide because not from not from people's eyes anyway you can you can see when one player isn't pulling the weights; it's very easy to understand whereas when you've got like you know congested midfield areas and they're doing specific jobs you know well it's like that at the World Cup. Like no one really understood the job Raheem Sterling was doing for the team because he because he wasn't scoring a lot of goals. You can't say that in a four four two. You know everyone's job. You know you know where they're meant to be. And, and Stigaten is just being exposed as being a very slow, very low impact, poor player these days. He's, he's completely changed overnight. He was never like you know he was he was never. You know, get the game by the scruff of the neck type player, but he had quality, you know, quality in his boots, you know, some of the goals. He wanted the ball. Yeah, he he used to
0: want the ball. He was dynamic, like he'd get the ball. He wouldn't sit there and go on zigzagging runs, but at the very least, he would sit there and combine with other players, make a run up, and he'd be dangerous from around the top. Like you saw him take chances. I feel like what you've got now is a player who's gotten very stale in both his attitude toward you know
1: and in playing style. Yeah, well, he's just basically. I, I think his time at the club is probably up. I think a lot of supporters think that, but I, I think from you know the vibe you, you know you you get from the, you know the the wider noises of the club, it is time might be up. Not not something so obvious as you know oh well, they don't like Gilfy Sigurdsson, but you saw at the AGM that. Um, brands wants two players for each position now in Mm centre midfield i wouldn't be surprised if they added an extra and had five central midfielders because you're always going to get you know at least one injury in a position like that so so when you look at that and then you you put two and two together and you realize Ancelotti's probably going to want his own player in there because it's such a key area of the pitch so then we've already got six central midfielders add another one there's seven you need five two have got to go and i i think the likely candidates are going to be Sigurdsson and one other maybe it's Schneidlin might be Davies out on loan might even be Delph but for my money I don't think there's any scenario where Sigurdsson is not one of the players who they're trying to shift from that central midfield position to make way for someone else it's just about whether we can shift him yeah. because if, would you buy him on the strength of this season where he's contributed nothing he's not scored many goals he's not made, not made any impact on stats and every time he's seen on television, he's awful. Like, he's not showing for the ball. And it, Gary, I said in the last segment, Gary Neville on, on the, TV, the TV coverage in the UK was giving him a pretty hard time because he doesn't obviously watch every Everton game. And he was must have been looking at him going, What the yeah. hell is this player doing? He's so disinterested and so lazy looking. And he's been like that all season. He's, he's just not been the player yeah. he was.
0: That's the thing I always really used to appreciate. You could see the work he was putting in. You saw work rate. You saw his pressing, the work he was putting in without the ball. He used to be really, really active without the ball, You know, either on, on defense or attack. Um, and you saw someone who you admired, the, you admired uh, what he could pull off despite not being the quickest player on the field. You know, he had a bit of craft, a bit of guile to him and and his work ethic just supplemented that um but but now like without that work ethic what do you have without someone who's willing to take chances on those passes and on those runs what is going on with him and i just I feel like it's it's sort of a a placeholder you know it's just someone who's there uh not a lot of spice it's just something that's just filling a void for the time being um, and it's a shame because I, uh, I really liked him when we bought him and I've liked him for a long time. Hell is my kids got a, got him on the back of a, uh, the back of his last kit that he got, you know? Um, that was, that was his, my kid's favorite player. And now it's like we watch and I'm, you know, he's like, what's cigarettes doing? And I'm like, that's an awesome question, man. That is an awesome question. <laughs> Where is he? Okay. Um, if, if, uh, I guess the question is, if we were able... I mean, you're looking at either a loan or a sell. Right now, his stock is low. Okay? So, it's not the type of situation where we would necessarily want to sell because his stock is so low. But is it going to get lower? That's a question. Is it a situation... Is his recent Are his recent days recent enough to warrant us still getting a decent price on him? Or do we chance trying to get rid of him and him having a bad season somewhere else and him being worth even less because right now people could say, Oh, it's just not the right fit at Everton. He's still got some good days left. We're still willing to pay this price. It may not be the high price we we would really want. You know what I mean? Like the way the value would work. Um, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. What do you think?
1: I think the best probably hope for is he gets a loan with a view to buy and he goes to some weaker league where his his flaws aren't as, as prevalent and, you know, puts a bit of a bit of form, you know, get some good form together, then someone might take their option on him and buy him. But, um, I think his age and his wages are prohibitive for everything. Like, you know, they, I'm sure there's plenty of clubs who go, Yeah, we'll take a number 10 like him, even at that age, but not for 100 grand a week. That's that's the problem we've got. We've got a lot of players who aren't, you know, you can understand if Richarlison is on 100 grand a week. Another club will go. Yeah, we'll pay you more because you're really good and you're going to get better. Whereas Sigurdsson's on the way down. His best years behind him. The clubs that will benefit from him as a player can't afford that. This is really the peak of Sigurdsson's career now, and he's about to start heading downwards. I think if we get Europe, I don't think we'll even entertain selling him. I think you know, I could see a scenario where they keep him for like you know he'll play the Gomez position in in Europe Mm -hmm. because you know it might. Be a little bit easier for him in Europe because the the pace is slower; it's not as physical. I still wouldn't, but I can see it potentially happening. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. He's he's just he's cut. It, it, he's a waste of space at the minute. Every time he's on the pitch, he's just invisible. He doesn't contribute anything, and it's getting to the point now where uh, if it, he's he's gonna. I hope he doesn't play again. I hope we're so I over our options now. We're at the point where we don't need to use them other than coming off the bench. And I'd honestly prefer to see Tom Davies coming off the bench than Sigurdsson at this point. Mm.
0: <sighs> yeah, especially if his heart's not in it. Because at the very least, with Tom Davies, you know his heart's in it.
1: Yeah. If, if, if this was a FIFA football manager type affair, Sigurdsson and Schneidlin, for me, would be the two be on the transfer list, going, yeah, we've, you can't play anymore. We've signed. It's the two players. Like it's, I haven't forgot that disgraceful FA Cup derby exit where those two were the way. I mean, I don't want to dig into Schneiderlin again on this one because this is a Sigurdsson segment. But you know, the two of them, they're not good enough. And Sigurdsson is, it's, it's more surprising for him because he spent last season nowhere near the the list of get rid. Because he was an important player, and he was, you know, the second highest score- goal scorer and or joint first or whatever it was, crucial player. And overnight, he's like on everyone's sell list, and there's a reason for that. It's the way it's his own doing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. This is one. This is one. I'm not a huge. Uh, I don't like saying this stuff because I I feel like there's some. There's still something left in the guy. I just I. I I get the vibe that maybe he's just not where he wants to be to, uh, to be able to actually kind of make that happen. Mm. Um, he doesn't seem like, uh, like he's excited to be here anymore. And, I mean, if that's the case, I mean, it, he, he just doesn't come across the kind of guy, though, who would let that affect his professionalism.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He doesn't seem like that kind of guy. You know, some people, they pout and their head goes down you know what I mean, and you really don't get much from him ever again. I feel like he's still present. It doesn't seem like him. That's what the whole thing doesn't make sense to me. Like I wonder if there's something else going on, or if it's like you said, uh, if he's just
1: getting older. I mean, maybe, but I've I've seen before when players have uh, you know they they. they uh... Either the legs go, or they, you know, they've st- they've stayed one season too long, or it's just they've lost it. It, it happened to Sylvan Distan, it happened mm-hmm. to Tim Howard, it's happening to Sigurdsson, I think where he's just uh, he's gone from uh, to, you know double figures goals last season to being one of the weaker members of our midfield, and it, that's not just with the change of formation. As I said, he's you could explain it away if he'd just gone poor recently because he's not the type of player who plays in a I, I, a four-four-two, but he was poor all season before that. When he was playing as a number ten, his preferred position, he was even worse than I could even say. Um, yeah, I just I think his, his time's up at the club. It's not as easy as that, obviously, and you can't always get rid of these players. But I don't think you know he's going to be anyone would miss him if he went in the summer.
0: Mm. Oh man, well. Not a huge fan of these kind of seg- segments where we I feel like we're being like super negative um, in terms of uh, outlook because um, frankly I would be super happy if he kicks in gear and all of a sudden he's back to being the Gilford Sigurdsson and I I want him to be and I'd be curious uh, like what would what it would take for for something like that to happen or if this is something because because uh, I I watched this weekend's match this morning, which explains why I got kind of discombobulated over uh, over the goals because I watched it all this morning and I've rammed my whole work day into one big thing. Um, and I didn't watch it just to watch Sigurdsson. You know what I mean? I watched it to watch as much as I could. And I'd be curious to see, to watch just him, you know, because I don't watch every game just to watch Sigurdsson. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, I try to keep my eyes not just on the ball, Because that's a big part of the game, is away from the ball. If you just watch the ball, then, let's be honest, you're missing a huge part of the game. Huge part of the match. Um, But uh, I'd be curious to watch a match and just keep an eye on him. See what's actually happening. Because I would like to be fair. I do want to be fair. But, I don't know. It could be we are being fair. So, anyway.
1: Okay, anything else on this, man? No, I mean... There is, there is a way back, Like he, he's he, the way he plays at home in, in the home match against Chelsea, if he could do more of that, where he, that he didn't even score or anything like that, it was just his efforts and his commitments, if he could play like that, no one would have a problem with him, he's still a quality footballer, but you're just not seeing it from him, so they, he's not you know, a no-hoper type player, there is a way back for him, but it just doesn't look like likely at the minute.
0: Yeah. In the past, he's shown some flexibility to be able to play in different types of formations. We talked off-camera about how, or off-mic, <laughs> uh, off-recording, uh, about him you know, playing some on the wing for Spurs. And I know in other segments when we've discussed this, I know we've had people say that he's played uh, in a 4-3-3 before for Iceland. Uh, he's shown that kind of flexibility in the past with other teams, um, so it just, again, it just makes me wonder what is, what is lacking from the situation or if it's just going on with him, either body or mentally, or just, I mean, he just may not be happy. That affects a lot. So anyway, okay. Well, I guess that's it for our Gilfie Sigurdsson. What's going on, man? Hey, what happened? Uh, we, we don't really, we don't really know. All right, insert crack of thunder. Yes, that's how we know that this is the time for lightning round. Um, so, lightning round, the way lightning round has worked in the past is I have developed 20 questions for whoever is with me. And so what I'm, I am doing at this point is... I am only going to give 10 to Terry, and Terry has 10 prepared for myself. Now, do we have a track to close out the show? Not yet. We're going to have to figure that out as we go along. But I've got 10 prepped questions here, and Terry's got 10, and they're supposed to be quick answer questions. Very you know, simple to, uh, to figure out, and uh, nothing too, too tough, and it's supposed to say a lot about our personalities and whatnot. Um, yeah, hence the name Lightning Round. Hey. All right, so, Terry, do you want to go first? Do you want to ask me questions first, or do you want me to ask you first? Uh,
1: I'll ask you questions first, if you don't mind.
0: That's the way Paul did it. Okay. All right, so, uh, I guess, uh, I don't know what kind of lightning round music we got here. Hopefully it's something uh, super interesting and uh, provocative. All right. And uh, whenever you're
1: on. Okay. Number one. What's your favorite breakfast food?
0: Okay. Hmm. If I go to eat at a breakfast restaurant, like a place that serves breakfast, like all hours of the day and stuff, uh, I usually like a bacon, egg, and cheese sandwich. Nice. Um, But do I ever get to eat that for breakfast? No. I usually have to eat cereal every single morning.
1: Favorite dinner food? Hmm.
0: Uh, i like duck oh yeah duck mid-rare crispy skin some kind of sauce
1: nice that's my strong opening two quest two answers there <laughs> your favorite holiday in the american sense of the word holiday so halloween christmas etc halloween.
0: halloween 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 is so fun man Halloween, I, I used to, like, have a lot of fun making my own costumes and stuff. And for some reason, it was just, that was always my favorite. I always built up Christmas into some bizarre thing. And so Halloween was always, you got to be a little dark and weird. And that's always good for me.
1: I mean, you've talked to me before. You know that's how I am. <laughs> Your favorite place to vacation? Or vacation. Uh...
0: Places that I've gone or places that I would like to go?
1: No, places you have gone because I want to know somewhere you've been and you liked it a lot.
0: Okay, um, I had a similar question that Paul asked me last week. Okay, and I said Chicago, Illinois. So I will I will give a different answer to this one. Okay, um, I really enjoy going camping with either my wife or my kids, uh, to all of us together in the uh mountains of north carolina where we can just pop up the tent and do a ton of hiking and a ton of reading and just like to chill by the river and yeah so it's a different answer than i gave paul uh we just do we just do a lot of hiking a lot of camping during the summer when there's no uh no soccer games that the kids have to be playing because nice. there's always soccer games
1: <laughs> <laughs> sounds really good what's your favourite animal mm, the grey fox
0: nice it comes with a personal history story that is I can't that, give it right now that it's because, time
1: is that because you are a grey fox See, I've heard that before,
0: because <laughs> you have gray hair, Jerry. No, it's it's uh, me and my dad like freed one from a trap one time when I was little, and so I've got like a personal attachment yep. to gray foxes. So, oh, that's, yeah.
1: Right. Um, f- more Everton related questions. Your favorite Everton player ever?
0: Yeah, I have to go. Leighton Baines. Nice. He's just. You know what I mean? I'm just imagining, you know, having him on your team, and he just seems like he'd be fun to hang out with. He just seems like a cool guy all the way around.
1: Your favorite Everton kit, home or away, or third, or goalkeeper, Any? Gosh,
0: man. This is tough. Uh, I know what you want me to say, and so I'm just going to go ahead and say it, because I agree with you. It was my favorite. It was an Umbro kit. I don't it was the it was the second year the second Martinez year when we when we hit Europa League
1: yeah
0: with the dark trim yeah
1: that was a banging kit man I love that one it was the first kit with this current badge as well that
0: one yeah and I will say the year before I really liked there was a kind of a greyish kit we had with like a bizarre dark blue on that as well I just didn't like the badge at the time but it was a really good looking. Like it was like a third kit, I think. I think I know. It was. I really liked that one too. It was one I forgot about until just now. So.
1: What's your favorite other sport? If you have any, if you don't, want to ask a different question.
0: I do. Um. Basketball. Basketball. I grew up when you grow up in North Carolina, you get a lot of basketball, especially college basketball, because. Michael Jordan is from here but is from North Carolina by the way and he played for the University of North Carolina and so college basketball is like a huge thing in our in our state so when you grow up most kids have bizarre i'm going to be a professional basketball player kind of dreams they don't think i'm going to be a professional footballer no that's not what they think (laughs) so yeah that was that's probably the sport like i really love the ncaa tournament that's one of my favorite sporting events during the year is in march actually the college basketball tournament here in the states it's worth it's worth your time it's crazy entertaining
1: Cool. Uh, the hardest questions for last. Uh, oh hell! Oh, favorite TV show?
0: Um, if I'm talking about comedy, I have to immediately jump to Simpsons. There's just, there's just, I mean, it's the best. Uh, uh, staying power. I don't. We've talked about off, off camera about how we don't like the newer ones as much, but it's really hard to beat the wit and h- how many different levels that it's hitting on Simpsons in the past. And uh, ju- it's just amazing when you can just go Donald Plan and you know a yeah. Simpsons fan in the other room what they're gonna say in their head.
1: The classic Simpsons run um, is just the elite of comedy, isn't it? Like it's just yeah. it's un- unrivaled. I See, it's one of those shows where it's so good as somebody who, you know...
0: I I write, okay? I write. It's one of those that's so good, I couldn't imagine writing something that funny. You know what I mean? Because they had such a diverse team putting it together. And it had one head that gave it an identity. It was a brilliant... It was just a brilliant show, man. So yeah, that's what I'm going to say. Even though there's some serious shows a la Sopranos, The Wire that I truly, truly love for many different reasons. But I had to go with a comedy
1: just because I'm a goofy fellow. And you probably guessed the last question is what's your favorite film?
0: Do you want a film nerd answer or do you want the Jerry as a person answer? There's two different ones.
1: I'll I'll give you the... The film nerd one because we've done a lot of movie stuff anyway, and I think you've probably you've probably verged on the side of us, us normies with your film talk. But to so now, I want I want the I want the the real the real Jerry. Okay, there, the okay.
0: Fr- okay. The so you know if I if I verge on the side of normies, immediately I jump to Goonies. But I can't. That's not what you asked for. So uh, uh, there is an Italian film from the sixties called Eight and a Half. Okay, it stars Marcello, Mas- Marcello Mastroianni, and uh, it's directed by Fellini, uh, Federico Fellini, and it's about a director making a movie, and he has no idea what the movie's about. <laughs> okay, okay. So essentially, it stars this amazingly cool actor Marcello Mastroianni, who's basically playing the director. Okay, so he's playing Fellini himself in the. You know what I mean? He's supposed to be, and so it's this strange, like, meta film uh, that is drawing parallels to to life, and basically it's a very autobiographical story about the director himself, Fellini, and he's got this guy, this womanizing director who's trying to hook up with all his actresses and all this stuff, and he's got having affairs, and it's just, an, it's just nuts, right? And um, so basically it just talks about, you know, it's, it's all about how life is kind of more important than these silly fantasies and all that kind of stuff. Um, it, it's, it's fantastic, right? Um, I had an ex-girlfriend at the time when I first started getting into watching a little more foreign language films, and she basically would tell me, I kept on wanting to rent that movie or watch it, and at the time she told me, if I wanted to read, I would get a book. And that was who I was dating at the time. And so when she broke up with me, she broke up with me. I just want to point that out and the hilarity of this. Um, why would I be dating this person in the first place? Well, the first thing I did after being just profoundly depressed and felt awful. and I went to a local bookstore and I picked up a copy of that movie and I went home and watched it immediately. I bought it. Didn't watch it. I bought it and watched it. It was fantastic. Okay, Fast forward to now, me and my wife both love that movie. We took the soundtrack, we found some of the music from the movie, we played it at a party at our wedding, and we went around high-fiving everybody at the wedding to that music. It sounds very, I don't know, it's very Danny Elfman sounding. It's really like a circus is what it sounds like. And it was like, I don't know, that movie has a lot of personal satisfaction for me, meaning to my life, if that makes any sense. So, anyway... So that's there's a lot more to that story, but I kind of tried to abbreviate it because you know we have listeners. It's not just me and you, so I can entertain everybody. So anyway, that's that's it for for Jerry's lightning round. Now we go to Terry. Okay, are you ready, sir?
1: I am. I'm going to be more lightning than round, okay. but I'm quite round- well.
0: I, I, you're quite slimming right now, my friend. You know, <laughs> uh, so let's begin. Who is your superhero alter ego?
1: Oh, um, like my favorite, or who would mine be? Who's you? Yeah. Oh, I used to work for a company as a liaison for the ombudsman, uh, the financial ombudsman. So I would just be ombudsman. <laughs> Okay. Where adjudicate, adjudicate over everything, like everyone, make sure everyone's being fair.
0: This that is not at all what I was expecting. I like that. So, <laughs> which film director would make the Terry McAllister biopic? Ooh, uh,
1: Quentin Tarantino. Not because my life's been like that, but I just. But like old Tarantino, not modern Tarantino. Uh-huh. I'd be played by Christ- Christoph Waltz, even as a child. Nice. <laughs> All right, what's
0: your weirdest Everton superstition?
1: Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I can't... It's not a, an uncommon one, but I, I have to be in... The ground before Z car starts, mm-hmm. and I cannot leave until after the final whistle. Like I've, I have done it occasionally, and it just feel, I feel awful for it, but I just can't do it anymore. It's it's yeah. I get it. I'm definitely get that. Yeah. I have to be in. I have to be in the ground before and after each whistle. I can't. I can't. The whistle can't beat me. <laughs> nice.
0: So uh, number four, which would you rather go without? Meat. Or fantasy literature and films.
1: Oh, fantasy li- literature and, and films.
0: You could put you could expel that, but you couldn't expel meat. You couldn't get rid of meat in your diet.
1: Oh no no, I, I got that the wrong way around. So yeah, um, I, I need that more than I need meat because I'm I like meat. I obviously eat meat, but I could find I could give that up and substitute it with. Let's be real. Probably cheese and bread, <laughs> um, but, uh, but I could replace the other things. So no, I, I would give up meat.
0: See, I had a feeling you would go that way. That's why I asked it. Um, cool. What's your favorite bad movie?
1: Ooh, um, Street Fighter. It's bad in a good
0: way. Yeah, that's that's what I was looking for. Bad in a good way. Gotcha.
1: Yeah.
0: Who's your favorite? Non-football sports star or athlete. Mike Tyson. Didn't expect that one. Uh, what's the most adventurous food you've eaten?
1: Uh, not that adventurous, but it is for me octopus. Ah, I've had that. Quite nice. Yeah.
0: Well, when done well, it's, it's it is nice. But it, when not, it's a little chewy, a little too chewy. Yeah,
1: it's the it's the whole mental aspect of this is an octopus that you need to get past that.
0: Yeah. Um, where in South America would you make your home?
1: Ooh, um, probably Brazil. Ah, because those beaches look great, and so do the women on them.
0: <laughs> All right, uh, pick one: Pesci, De Niro, or Pacino.
1: Um, Pacino.
0: Ah. Would be my choice as well. Lastly, if Terry had a kit sponsor, who would it be?
1: <laughs> it would be. Oh, what a question. It would probably be Marvel Studios? I was going to say Marvel. I was going to say Marvel. <laughs> They don't do kid sponsors.
0: Do they, they don't they. have to. They don't have to. Man, you could do yeah. monster or whatever, man. It doesn't matter. You could do whiteout, you know,
1: whatever. Yeah, model studios.
0: <laughs> gotcha. All right. Well, that's, that's the end of the lightning round. That was pretty darn lightning. Terry, well done. We've all, everyone has now learned. They all know all about me and you now. Hey. Uh, and what they're going to do with that knowledge, we, we know not. Um, so uh, that brings us to the end of the Toffee Blues podcast. If you've been listening, we really appreciate it. Please subscribe. And if you're sitting there thinking, I want to see what these dudes look like, check out our YouTube channel. I, I, I can't imagine you'd be like that, but if you are, there you go. Um, if you want more Terry, Liverpool Echo Fan Jury, check him out. Um, also, uh, he's just he's just around town for hugs. Make it happen, people. Just saying. <laughs> um uh, so, uh, the Toffee Blues website, follow, you know, all things Everton, tons of content, some really good contributors on there. So, please check that out. Follow the Toffee Blues on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And I reckon that's it. Uh, this is uh, thanks to Terry uh, for coming on and bearing his soul in Lightning Round. We really appreciate it. And I reckon that's it. So, I guess we'll see everyone next time. Thanks so much, and bye bye.